Good afternoon. I want to say thank you um, to Cottondale. I want to say thank you to Chad. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for allowing me to be a part of uh, this very special day uh, in your life, in the life of this church. Uh, make my life useful to thee, God. That ought to be everybody's prayer in this room tonight. Make my life useful to God. And as I was sitting there, as we were singing, I was, it just came to my mind about, I was ordained as a deacon. I can't even remember. I was about 25 or 26 years old, and I was sitting there thinking about that, and I was just thinking about, uh, Joseph, I see your, your, your family here with you, and I, can rem I just remember that day. And uh, you won't never forget it either. And, uh, but God's got a plan in your, in your life. This is part of it in this church. You're a part of what God's doing in his life. And y'all will, will be able to share that together here at Cottondale. And um, Chad asked me to come and to give me the privilege of uh, being a part of this very special service tonight and um, in Joseph's life as well as the life of this church. And um, I've, uh, I've read through, I've been reading through the Bible, and I've been searching scriptures, and I've been praying. And, uh, and then, brother, you read Acts 6 a while ago. I'm glad you read it because it needed to be read, and you read it. And uh, so I'm grateful to that. But as I was praying and preparing to, to, to be here tonight with you, uh, I just think about the church and um, what we as a church should be and how we should be. And, if, and the best place to look is in the, is in the book of Acts, the very beginning, how it all began. You know, you, you think about a, a baby comes into your life, a newborn baby. And I know you all have had that experience here in this, in this church. You've had some babies born in the last year or so and uh, may have some more born. Who knows? In the coming years ahead, I hope so. And, uh, you know, we, we, have a new, we have a grandbaby. She's two years old now, but, you know, she's still my, my little, my little dar darling. And, you know, uh, but when that baby is, is, is new and, and comes into your life and, and that excitement that it gives you and, and the enjoyment of it, and then you look in the book of Acts, you see the, the birth of the church, the, the beginning of the church, the starting of the church, and how that life was, was vibrant. And, and the people were serious about doing God's work and what God was doing there in the, in the, as the apostles were leading and preaching and the Holy Spirit was guiding them and helping them. And the people, they had a heart to love one another. And they had a heart to serve one another. And their church was growing. The Bible says that God was adding daily to the church. God was adding daily. Those apostles were preaching the Holy Spirit was speaking and convicting people of their sin, and they were repenting and being baptized and being added to the church, and God continued to bless them day after day. And the Bible says there in Acts 2 that they continued to fellowship with one another and helping and serving one another. And you as a church, you know, uh, sometimes we are guilty of just passing the responsibilities off to to somebody by some other person somebody we'll let somebody else do that and uh and joseph you the new man on the block so 
don't let them just pass everything to you. So, and church, don't be guilty of doing that. And, and these older men in this church, there's deacons and other leaders, you know, don't just assume he's a young man, he can handle it, we'll just put it on him. He still needs the help and the guidance of the body of Christ here in the work and the service of what God has called him for. And, and I'm sure through, uh, from, from Chad and uh, sharing and things that's been going on in his life in this church and what God is doing in the life of this church, a lot of prayer has went into this. And uh, we don't take this lightly tonight. I don't take it lightly to stand here before you as the church, the body of Christ here at Cottondale, and, and, and to share from the, the Word of God what he's laid on my heart to share because it, it applies to every person here. It applies to us as the church, the body of Christ. And, and we have responsibility. You know, that we don't re, uh, relinquish that responsibility because we got a new man now. We got, a, we got another deacon that's been added here, so we got somebody else to do that. No, that's, that's, he's here to help, to continue the process that God is doing here, continue the work that God has given Chad to do and, the, and these deacons to do, and you are part of that as the body of Christ. It's not, it's not Chad, it's not these deacons, it's not just certain peoples, it's the body of Christ working together. Christ is the head, and we're Chaz an under-shepherd under Christ, and then we become part of the body of Christ. And we all have responsibilities to do. In Luke, uh, excuse me, in Romans, in chapter 12, I'm going to read in Romans 11, the last verse of Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Paul says, For from him, meaning Christ, and through him, and to him, are all things to him be the glory forever amen and then he starts chapter 12 paul says i urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of god to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to god which is your spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is, is dealing with a lot of theological, spiritual issues here, and a lot of doctrinal issues that we, we, we gain our... Uh, knowledge from of, of the Bible about who we are in Christ and salvation and the grace of God and how we become a Christian. And now, beginning in chapter 12 through the rest of the book, he's dealing with us as Christians. What we are to do as, as part of that body now. You are part of that body because God has saved you by His grace and He's he come to live in you through the Holy Spirit. And now we have a responsibility as a Christian, and as a church, a body of believers. And that's why he says, I urge you, therefore, brethren. And Paul is saying, I beg of you, brethren. He's saying, take what God has given you and make a difference in this world. Make a difference in this church. Make a difference in this community that you live in here at Cottondale. We had celebrated 135 years this morning at Chauncey Baptist Church. 135 years that that church has been there in Chauncey. And for 135 years, 135 years ago, someone 
had a had a vision for a church, needed a church there. And 135 years later, there's a church there, and the gospel is still being preached, and people are still being saved. Same thing goes here for Cottondale. There was a vision here. There was a need for this place, for this building to be built here. And, and now, even though the community is totally different than it was when it was placed here, there's still people here in this community that needs Jesus just as much as it did in the very beginning of this church. There's no difference. People are still people. People are still the same. They're people. Things may be different out there. Lifestyles may be different. But there's still people who need Jesus. And there's still a responsibility that God has given this church here in this community to reach this neighborhood, to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he continues to add to your church young men and women to come along and be leaders and workers here. And you're being a part of that tonight and what God's going to do in the life of this young man and his family is being members of this church and being part of the body of Christ here in Cottondale. And it ought to just make us get on right before our face and say, thank you, Jesus. You know... We've been needing rain, and we've been praying and asking God to give us rain. I was talking to my wife yesterday. I was coming back from Camp Pinnacle, and it was raining at, at, at my house. I was there at the house, and and uh, I live on a farm. I got some cows, and so I was out there. Man, it started raining. I said, thank you, Jesus. And uh, it was raining hard for just a little bit, and my wife called me about that time. And she called me, and she said, what you doing? I said, I'm watching it rain. And the ladies in the car with her, she had me on speaker because you can't talk, you know, you got her hands free, you know. So she's talking on the phone, and I say, it's raining. And I heard everybody in that car go, oh. <laughs> That was a moment of, ah. Oh. And as I'm thinking about this tonight with this church, this is one of those moments. Man, this is what God's doing. This is a God thing. This is what God has blessed this church by adding a young man and his wife and their family to this church to be a part of what God desires to do here. What he's already doing, but he's not finished yet. In this pastor you have, what God has laid upon his heart and the vision God gives him, and then as he preaches the gospel and as he shares that with you, the church... And now God's added that helper to him along with these other deacons to be a part of that as he comes alongside of Chad to be a part of what God's going to do in the life of this church. And Paul here in Romans is telling us the urgency of the hour that we're in as it was then and as it is now. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, and he says this by the mercies of God. God's good. That was his mercy when that rain came on us out there today, folks. We don't deserve a drop of it. But that was the mercy of God. He's heard our prayer. We've asked undeservingly, but he gave it to us. And he's blessed his church with a young man and a family here to be a part by God's mercy here. I want to read a little farther in this same chapter of chapter 12. 
Verse 3 says, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. We, we, we need the help of each other. We need each other. We can't do it alone. Chad can't do it by himself. These deacons can't do it by themselves. You can't do it by yourself just being a member. It takes the body of Christ working. It says functioning together. And that means if we're functioning together, that means there's something going on. So there's some work being done. It's not, we're not just sitting idle. The motor's on. The car's switched on. It's cranked up. It's running. And we're to be a part of what God wants to do. So we have, so we, verse, verse 5, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. You're all an individual here. Each one of you, you got a special gift that God's given each of you. You got special qualities that God's given you. You do things that I can't do. I do things that you can't do. But yet, when we put it all together, we work as one. We work as a body of believers united together through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. And it's always for His glory. He always receives the glory for it. We praise His name. We bless His holy name when we see God at work in our lives and in the life of our church. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, and service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. See, as I read all that, and I'm thinking about different people in here, there's a lot of people gifted in these areas right here, right here tonight. It's not just a preacher. It's not just a deacon. It's everybody working together. We're gifted as a body of believers here tonight. We, God's blessed us here. He's gifted us in these gifts that he's given each of us. And we're to use those gifts for his glory. Verse 9 says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind together, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, 
so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So make that your prayer, church, that we do this together. And as God's given you a new man, a new family here to be a part of this, you don't forget to pray for him. Because if you go back and as we read it in Acts, whenever God was blessing, God was was giving to the church, people were being saved, things were happening, the enemy is always there to try to stop it. So you pray for Joseph and his family. Because Satan was going to try to stop it. But we pray, and greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Father, I thank you for the privilege, Lord, of opening your word and reading from your word tonight. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us, the church, to hear, Lord, as you would have us to hear, and Lord, that we apply it to our lives to live for your glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. In your name we pray, amen. privilege this evening to present a charge to our brother from the qualifications of deacon found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. If you have a Bible, I do invite you to turn there with me. Um, it's my great privilege to be a part of this. Um, Joseph, you're a, a brother, uh, not just a brother though, you're a friend, and um, and this charge this evening, I give in full faith that as you rely on Jesus Christ, Christ will work in you and through you the power by the Holy Spirit to fulfill uh, the calling to which you are called. In fact, that's what the Bible says will happen. Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And so with these encouragements that God is able to empower you to this calling, I commit you to this charge from 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning verse 18. Or 8, 8, beginning verse 8. Um, it says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. 
Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So I think we could distill this... um, passage into three uh, aspects of the deacon, and that is, number one, tested character, number two, true confession, and number three, tried competence. Tested character, true confession, and tried competence. First is the tested character. It says there um, that deacons must be dignified. I'll look this word up, and... One of the definitions was the word August. We don't use that word anymore, but that's a good word. It means well-respected, distinguished. You're to be an August man. It has the connotations of venerable, honorable, reputable. can mean grave in the sense of being serious, earnest. Dignified, of course. It means to live in such a way that when people think of someone who is of impeccable character, when they think of someone who is trustworthy and wise, someone who is honest, even at personal cost, someone who is serious, yes, even grave about doing what is right and standing for the truth. To be a dignified person, then, is that when people think of Uh, Such a person as these, they think of you. Dignified, distinguished, honorable, grave, serious for the things of God, reputable, venerable, blameless. This is the call of the deacon. Dignified, then, I believe, serves as an umbrella term that encapsulates all the rest of these qualities listed here. It says, uh, must not be double-tongued. To be dignified, the deacon must be honest with his lips, not insincere, deceitful with words. He must be uh, not addicted to much wine that is self-controlled, not controlled from externally by any substance or unhealthy habit. Likewise, it says he must be uh, not greedy for dishonest gain. Positive way of saying this would be to be generous and to not be able to be swayed from righteousness by the promise of gain. And then it says that these qualities must be tested. They must be tried and true in the life of the deacon. And we, at our recent church conference, have already affirmed that we have seen these qualities in you, and we pray that they will continue to do so. And so we pray that God will guard your tested character And we charge you this evening to continue to walk in it. So number one, tested character. Number two, true confession. Verse nine, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The deacon, though not in the exact same way as the pastor, elder, overseer, is the holder, holder, guardian, and protector of the truth. Paul understands that the gospel... He calls it a mystery, which in, in Paul's usage doesn't mean that, it's, uh, that we can't understand it or it's secret, 
But rather what he means is that it was formerly hidden. It was formerly veiled, if you will, but has now been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. That the, the, the glorious, un, the unspeakable glory of the reality of saving grace, not by works, but through faith, by sheer grace and mercy of God to become part and to partake of the promises of God given to Abraham himself through faith in Jesus Christ. This mystery, it was indeed mystery, but it has now been revealed in Jesus Christ. And it, and it is mysterious in the sense that it was surprising, unexpected, unanticipated in the manner that God had fulfilled his promise. And you're to hold this mystery. It is to be um, uh, the very center of who you are. In fact, just a few verses down from our passage in uh, verse 16, Paul gives us one of the earliest creeds of the church. He says, Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. And so one of your duties as deacons is to hold the true, con- the true confession of the life, death, resurrection, and imminent return of Jesus Christ for the salvation of his people. This is the 2,000 year testimony of the Christian church. And it is something that we all have taken upon ourselves the moment we profess faith in Jesus Christ, and even more so uh, as a servant of the Lord, as a deacon, to guard the testimony of the truth. And then Paul says, They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, with a clear conscience. And this, of course, means that your faith must be sincere. You must have a clean conscience before the Lord in all that you do. The Bible says, He who knows what is right to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Paul in another place talks about whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so uh, part of our calling and part of your calling then is to have a clean, to, to work hard, as Paul said, to strive that in all things that he may have a clear conscience before God and man. And this will entail then... uh, Uh, this will entail you clinging to the truth, not having any type of uh, secrets that might violate the testimony of Christ that dwells in you. But with a clean conscience, you cling to the gospel truths, knowing that you will be held accountable by God for them. And so, tested character, true confession, and finally, this evening... Tried competence. Tried competence. Verses 11 and 12 says, Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well. I call it tried competence because it seems to be very similar to the qualifications given just before that for the pastor, elder, overseer, that the family is the testing ground of the deacon's character and leadership. And so, uh, as a church, the Bible says, we are a family, the family of God, the family of God. The individual family unit, then, is merely a microcosm of the large-scale family of God that the church is to be. Uh, 
Uh, and the individual family, of course, the significance of the individual family, and the reason why I think Paul uh, makes this a qualification is that your presence with your immediate, your individual family is much more immediate. That is, that is, it's with our families that we interact daily on a regular basis. And so it is, in, it is that it is your family then that you are most comfortable around to the point that your true character shows. You see, it's possible to go home every day and be one person and come to church on Sunday and be a different person. So the family then is the testing ground where your character is vindicated because who you are at home is who you are. And so they're the ones who you interact with every day who experience most consistently and most significantly the weight of your leadership, your attitudes, actions, words, and decisions. And so it's the testing ground, the training ground for the diaconal ministry. And that also means that there's a calling on you, Rihanna, to uphold these uh, things uh, dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. It's a family ministry. God's going to help you. And that's where we as a church family come in. Pray for Joseph, but pray for this whole family. Remember them regularly in prayer. To lift them up as they fulfill the charge and all of our deacons in this ministry. Uh, that we are entrusting to them. And so here's the charge, tested character, true confession, and tried competence. And we see these in you, and we look for them still. And we pray that God will fulfill them more and more each and every day as we pray for you to this end.